Heisman Memorial Trophy is Joe Burrow. Louisiana State University, congratulations. To account every person's opinion from the last five years, there's no chance that I would be where I'm at right now. Welcome to episode four of the Average Shows podcast. My name is Jack Melberth. I am one half of your hosting duo. Alec will be along in just a second to share his thoughts. And today on Average Shows, we have the long-awaited mock draft episode. We bring you our thoughts on all eight picks that the Bengals currently hold in the 2021 player selection meeting. We give our resolution to the Chase versus Sewell debate. We talk about what talent lies at the top of round two and so much more on today's episode. So with that being said, let's get Alec in here and let's get this show on the road. The Jacksonville Jaguars are on the clock and the mock draft starts now. And we now get into episode four. It is the mock draft episode. Alec Grandin has come along and we're about ready to do some drafting, huh? Yeah, I think we're ready. I think it's time. Well, before we get into the mock draft, just a couple of news-related uh, Bengals bits. Uh, we get the uniforms on Monday, so looking forward to that. We saw Elizabeth Blackburn say yesterday that we're going to get nine different combinations. So we're going to have three jerseys and three pants. I assume that means orange pants, and I know we both share the same sentiment. We are excited to see this white jersey and orange pants combination i think it might be one of the best uh jersey pant combos in the nfl once we see this one oh without a doubt that and because it looks like they've doled the orange a little bit to to more match the helmet so i think that i think that these uniforms are going to be really sleek and really good i always thought that the the old orange uniform should have been doled a little bit more so i think they you know, finally figured that out and find the, found the right shade of orange. Yeah. Um, so that's really fun. We're going to get the uniforms on Monday. Uh, I know both you and I are probably going to make a purchase. Um, so looking forward to that. Um, second news-related bit, um, CJ Uzama was on some sort of podcast last night. I'm not aware of which one it is. Uh, and he said that he is officially fully cleared from his Achilles injury. So that's great news. Uh, just what are your thoughts on, on Uzama coming back? I mean, we've talked about Uzama before, you know, in previous episodes, but I think him working out with Joe Burrow this year, and as Joe Burrow comes along and starts throwing, it'll be nice to have CJ Uzama fully cleared, you know, to run routes and stuff like that. Yeah, he's he's going to be really vital, I think, to this Bengals team's success this year because both you and I, you know, this kind of segues us into the mock draft a tad. Both you and I don't think they take Kyle Pitts. So the kind of the weight of the tight end position is going to rest on, on Uzoma and uh, Drew Sample's shoulders. Yeah, I think they – I mean, I think with the way this is looking like it's going, I don't think they're going to draft Pitts, if Pitts is even on the board, yeah. uh, when they draft. So I think that they trust Sample, they trust Uzama, and then they'll if – they, and if they don't perform this year, then they'll address it next offseason. Yeah. And speaking of the tight end position, Bengals claim uh, Thaddeus Moss – you know, I, for those of you in the Bengals fan base that think that this means anything other than a depth piece at tight end, um, I would tell you to reevaluate. Um, obviously, yes, he was injured last year, but he has no career catches in the NFL. And outside of being Joe Burrow's teammate at LSU and being a solid player on that national championship team, uh, there's no reason to expect that this waiver claim uh, impacts their draft strategy in any sort of manner, I don't think. No, and then he also have to remember that at the same time he was an undrafted free agent. So it's not like he was a second, third rounder that, you know, they're given a shot. I, I yeah. think it's just more of a death piece that Joe Burrow's, you know, accustomed to throwing to. So. Yeah, I, I couldn't agree more. I, I just don't see that that is going to play a significant role in, in where they go in the first round. 
Um, you know, we kind of talked about this a couple of weeks ago, but um, Giovanni Bernard, obviously released by the Bengals, signs on with Tampa Bay. Could not be happier for him. He's probably finally going to get to see a playoff win, which he hasn't gotten to see as a Cincinnati Bengals. So, um, you know, any last thoughts on Gio other than being happy for him? I mean, I nothing other than being happy for him. I mean, that dude deserves that dude deserves, you know, to be on a winner. Uh, you know, he, I think he's going to go there and be a better version of LaShawn McCoy, you know, a better version of Keyshawn Vaughn. I, I think he's going to add a lot to their passing game, kind of like what James White did with Tom Brady, you know, in New England. I think he could be a lot like that. Yeah, definitely, definitely. So happy for Gio. Um, quick update on the tight end position. Uh, really not much else to say right there. So let's go ahead and let's get into the mock draft. Um, you know, we've sent mock drafts back and forth to each other this off season. I remember last year I sent you probably three mock drafts a night. Um, (laughs) I love mock drafts. Um, I love the, uh, the uncertainty that comes with them. Um, so we're going to be using the PFF mock draft simulator. Um, you know, I think we both have used this one in the past. It's, it's kind of nice because it gives you immediate grades on on some of the guys that you're talking about so um you know without further ado let's get into it right let's do it so um jacksonville jets 49ers and falcons kind of go the way we expect and we're on the clock at five kyle pitts goes to atlanta so maybe not what everybody expects them to do most i guess some people are expecting them to take a quarterback but I don't think it really matters because we come on the board at five anyways, and Jamar Chase and Penny Sewell are sitting right there. So um, why don't you give us the case to take Penny Sewell? I'll give us the take to pay, uh, the take the case to take Jamar Chase. Uh, I think both of us are thinking we're going to take one guy though. So, but just just talk about Penny Sewell. Okay, so for Sewell. I think, I mean, you think about protecting, you know, the franchise quarterback. Uh, you think about a dude that is one of the best left tackle prospects in a while. Um, you think of a dude that could come in, and even if, you know, he loses that left tackle battle on camp, he could play guard. But I think the upside for him playing left tackle for the next 10 years for the Bengals is, is something that you don't find very often. It's kind of like t- for him as a left tackle prospect, he's kind of as rare – as like a Kyle Pitts for a tight end prospect. Like they don't come around very often. So I think you have to take them where you can get them. Definitely agree. Um, And this has really taken over um, the NFL landscape as a humongous story um, because it's a case study in team building. Which position do you value at the top of a draft? Do you value a franchise left tackle or do you value a wide receiver one? So it's an interesting case in team building. Um, Both of us, you know, you have convinced me and, and I've convinced myself watching highlights and, and doing all that stuff. Panay Sewell's the pick. Um, you look at teams that have had to trade or had to acquire solid offensive line help, and it costs an arm and a leg down the road. So may as well get it out of the way right now. Acquire that offensive line help. Um, he is a behemoth on the inside, and I don't think you can get any better as – a prospect in Penesul. I think his ceiling is extremely high. Um, so I think we're both in agreement that Penesul is the pick right here. Yeah. I mean, and again, if Anthony Munoz and Willie Anderson, the two best tackles in your team's history, telling you to draft a guy, a guy, I, mean, I think you have to go with him. So definitely, definitely, definitely. So Penesul off the board of the Bengals at five. Um, we're going through the rest of round one. Um, and we'll kind of see who's still there at pick 38. Um, obviously the Bengals patented move is to trade down at the top of round two. Um, you and I both know that from watching the Bengals for years and years now that their move and trademark move has not been to move back in the first, but on a regular basis, move back in the second, acquire a couple of late picks. Um, so, but first of all, let's talk about who's on the board here at 38. So, I mean, the guy that jumps off the board right away is Elijah Moore out of, out of Ole Miss. I don't think he's really the type of player the Bengals want here. What do you, what do you think? 
So what I think, I think, so we talked about it before in our draft preview. I think they're going to go a combo. We, we think they're going to go combination wide receiver O-line round one or round two. But, you know, and we talked about like this before, like Carlos Basham is not on the board here. And we, and, and we really like Carlos Basham. So I think that if they don't really like a guy here, I think they definitely trade down. Yeah. So I'm good. Let's, let's go ahead. Um, on the PFF draft simulator, you kind of have this trade interface that you can look at, you know, if teams want to trade up to your pick. So let's just, let's just look through who, who would want to come up here according to PFF. Um, looks like we got Detroit at 41, uh, the Raiders at 48 and the football team at 51. Um, just kind of what what would you say about trading back? And do you think that if this is what the board looks like for the Bengals at 38, given the way they went in round one, do you think that they strongly consider that trade back? Yeah, I mean, I think I think they do consider that trade back because I think that if they don't love a wide receiver here, then he's not going to play over Auden Tate anyway. So I think that if 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 the best player available is not you know, best wide receiver available is not better than on Tate. I think they, I think they move back. Um, so yeah, let's, let's, why don't we, why don't we do the trade back here? The patented Bengals second round trade back. Let's, let's move back with Detroit at 41. Um, pick up their third round pick um, to move back three spots. I think that that would be a realistic and a solid trade on both behalfs for the Bengals. So too. Well, PFF doesn't like our trade, <laughs> so we will. We will. Why don't we just take Elijah Moore? Yeah, we'll just take Elijah Moore. That's fine. We'll take Elijah Moore. Not downplaying the fact that he's a great player, um, but I think he fits more of a slot role than the Bengals may want. That being said, he is the speed that the Bengals do need. So, you know, he's not the bad. He's not a bad pick. No, and I mean, even if you take an Elijah Moore, I mean, Tyler Boyd can still play on the outside sometimes. Yeah, I think Elijah Moore is is a just fine pick for the Bengals. Um, so we're going to take him at 38. Um, he's got lots of speed, speed to burn. He's a pretty good route runner. Um, you know, I, I, there's not a whole lot to dislike about his game other than the fact that he's a little small for the position and – like I said, he's kind of built more for a slot role than, than I think the Bengals want. So pick 69, um, you know, just a couple of notable guys that are taken before the Bengals come on the clock here at 69. Wyatt Davis, uh, interior lineman out of Ohio state comes off the board before the Bengals get on the, get on the clock. Um, there's, there appears to be kind of a fall off, at least it looks like, in sort of the level of edge player you may get in the third round versus at the top of the second. Because at the top of the second, you still have that chance of maybe Carlos Basham or Jason Owe being there. At the top of the third, it really seems like a reach to take any guys that are on the board currently. You've got guys like Rashad Weaver out of Pitt. Joe Tyrone out of Washington, Dio Odiyanigbo out of Vanderbilt, who's coming off an Achilles injury, so you don't really know what he's going to be. So it seems like kind of a reach to go edge in this spot. What what do you think – where where do you think they go in this spot? So, I mean, it says Jamin uh, Davis is on the board, but I think he'll be off the board by at this point uh, realistically uh, with the way he's been shooting on draft boards. But I do think what we talked about before – Maybe like they go interior D line at this point, or the, or or they go back to address an O line. Yeah, so uh, you know the Bengals are patented for the double up at positions of need. Um, and one guy that jumps off the board to me is Creed Humphrey out of Oklahoma at this point. Um, really durable. I think he could kick out to guard as well. Um, and if you take Creed Humphrey here. I think you really open yourself up to the second half of the draft. You can go almost anywhere. So Creed Humphrey would be my choice here. I don't know. What do you think? Yeah. So I, I could see Creed Humphrey. It's like a Russell Bodine. You, you, you come in right away. Um, 
if Trey Hopkins isn't isn't ready right away at the ACL, he could probably start at center. Maybe have a maybe have a competition with him and Billy at center. But I think Creed Humphrey here would be would be a good pick. For All sure. right, so let's we'll take Creed Humphrey here, at pick sixty nine. So so far we've got Panay Sewell, Elijah Moore, Creed Humphrey. Um, I think that that would be the that's that's the first two days of the draft. I think that that would be an A plus draft for the Bengals through two days. You get a top three center in the draft, and you get the uh, the best offensive lineman in general in the draft. And you, yeah, I think you get a top. I think you get a top seven eight receiver. Yeah. So pick one eleven. Um, Bengals come on the board. Um, you know, at this point, I think this might be where they kind of flip and start to look at edge rushers. But once again there's still that talent gap. And what really sucks is that Milton Williams has literally just come off the board to pick before the Bengals. Um, yeah. Mil- Milton Williams is going to be a good player from Louisiana tech. Yeah. So that's, that sucks. Um, would ideally still have him on the board as long as well as other, other defensive uh, line players. Um it really just feels like a reach to go with any of the edge defenders there. But that being said, Quincy Roche out of uh, Miami is, I think, the guy to look at. He's versatile. He can rush. He can play against the run. Uh, he's got good tape. Um, just, I mean, this is this is kind of the area. And, and, you know, running back is also a position that they may look at here. I mean, you've got Khalil Herbert on the board who – if he stays this long on the board, you got to think the Bengals take a look at him here. What what do you think the fourth round looks like if the board is shaped in this way when they come on the clock? So I think at this point, um, you know, if Milton Williams is not on the board, I personally think they just go best player available because you can never go wrong with good players on your football team. But a running back that I like is Patterson from Buffalo. Um I think he is very, very underrated. I think he'd be a great steal, whether now or maybe next round. But I think he's I think he could be a really good player. So there's a lot of ways the Bengals could go at this spot. Um, And really, like I said, I think it's too early to go edge rusher. So let's why don't we wait to go edge rusher in the fifth round, thinking that there might be some value there. And let's attack. Let's attack um, – I mean, might as well attack running back at this point in the draft. Um, yeah, I agree. So we'll go Khalil Herbert at this point. Um, really solid runner out of Virginia Tech. Um, I think that he has the tools the Bengals need to be a good running back to behind Joe Mixon. Um, and I, 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 I like that pick, to be honest with you. No, I like it too. He's versatile. You know, he can do a lot of things. Um, I think he's a good replacement for Geo, just a lot cheaper, in my yeah. opinion. So, on the clock in the fifth round now, pick one forty nine. Um, just some interesting names that have have been taken since we last picked with the Bengals picking the fourth round. Quincy Roche came off the board, uh, the defensive end for Miami, who I. I I really like. Uh, he's got good tape. Um, Robert Rochelle, a name that I mentioned in last week's defensive breakdown, as a, as a potential way to go at cornerback, came off the board. Um, so you come on the board in the fifth round, come on the clock, I guess. And I mean, just kind of what sticks out to you about the way the draft board looks at this point? So I think. You know, again, I'm going to keep saying this because I think once you get past fourth, fifth round, I think now you just target guys who think you think are good football players um, and have potential. But also at this point, you're also looking for some special teamers. I think you're looking for some guys that, you know, might not come into a starting role right away, role right away but I think that, you know, can help out your football team in some way. Because if you're, if you're on the active roster, you, I mean, you have to help out in some way if you're not um, – if, if you're not producing on the field, whether, I mean, then that's probably on special teams. So um, I think at this point, I mean, we could look at edge rusher. Uh, we could also look, you know, maybe at another position, but maybe O-line, but I think edge rusher probably would be. 
So if we look at edge rusher, a guy that really hits the Bengals well in this spot is Joshua Kando out of Florida State. Former big-time recruit, Ohio State, really wanted him. Uh, he's a really tall, lanky edge guy. And outside of Carl Lawson, this is the type of guy that the Bengals have historically uh, targeted with, with edge rusher. So I think Joshua Kando is a, is, a, is a route the Bengals seriously consider, if not actually go to at this point. So, um, you know, he's, I mean, he's a big, he's a big guy, uh, 6'7". He's got a ginormous wingspan. He doesn't have the stats that you would like, obviously, as we're looking at his stats here. But I think he definitely hits the Bengals well from a traits standpoint and from an athleticism standpoint. So Yeah, I think I think if he's on the board here in the fifth, I think that the Bengals see him as a kind of a project because he has the size, you know, he could he weighs 265, but he could put on 15, 20 pounds. And I think they think he could be a problem. So so go with Joshua Kando, uh, lanky athletic edge. Uh, I think there's a lot to like about his athletic profile. Um, obviously room to grow in terms of pass rush skill set, but um, I think the Bengals believe that they have that coaching on the D line. And historically the later rounds has been where they find their value with defensive defensive linemen. So uh, I think Kando is a good pick there. Yeah, I think it is too. Um, so already flying along sixth round, um come on the board uh, there's not a whole lot to like about what we see on the board here in terms of what positions hit the Bengals well here uh what do you think what do you think about the way this this draft or this board looks for the Bengals here here in the sixth round I mean in any draft when you get to the sixth round I mean you're just I mean you're at this point I think character means almost maybe more than um, you know, skill level. I think that you're trying to look for a guy who's going to come in and if he makes the roster, you know, be a positive, you know, locker room guy and a guy who can, you know, produce on special teams right away. Um, and I don't know if it would be sixth or seventh round, but a guy that, you know, I think could actually have some upside, even though he's a little slower would be Patty Fisher from Northwestern. Um, I think that even though he's a little slow, um, and until I looked at his, uh, I don't know if he's still on the board, but until I looked at his 40 time, which was, oh my, which was a lot higher than I, a lot higher than I thought it was going to be. It was around, uh, like four, eight, which is like, when you see all these four, fours, it's kind of, kind of hits you, but I think he could be a very special or a special guy on special teams. You know, I think they could go like a linebacker or, you know, maybe another DB. So. Yeah, I mean, this is where the board really opens up for the Bengals. And, you know, as as or as simple as it sounds, you know, obviously the board's going to open up in the sixth round because you've kind of taken all your positions of need by this point. Um, at this point, they really do have flexibility to sort of go anywhere. Uh, I think we could see a tight end in this spot. Um, I think we could see, if they haven't taken one yet, I think we could see a running back. I think we could see a double up at receiver here, depending on who's on the board. Um, I doubt that they go three O linemen in this draft. I think those two O line picks are pretty well solidified as two in the first four rounds, at least. Um, so, I mean, really at this point, the board is wide open and I think you could just take best player available at this point and feel pretty good about yeah. the guy that you're taking. I, I think best player available at this point, you know, best player available plus having great, you know, great character and I think great leadership skills. I think, I think they go with somebody here with, you know, with leadership ability. So. Yeah. So the guy that pops off the screen to me, at least is, is this Chauncey Golson from Iowa. He's athletic. Um, he's like Joshua Kando, who we just mocked to the Bengals in the fifth round. Uh, very, very uh, uh, sort of wiry um, sort of player, huge wingspan, lots of pass deflections, uh, I think he even had two interceptions maybe. Um, so I think he really hits the Bengals well here as well. Um, and he's got the size. I mean, he's 6'5", 270. So maybe he plays a sort of rush tackle sort of role. Um, he's a similar size profile to Milton Williams in terms of body build, uh, not in terms of wingspan. So 
I could see them throwing him inside on third downs as a rush guy. I mean, just what do you think about Chauncey Golson in this spot? Yeah, I mean, I, I think I like him here just because of, the, you know, his length. Um, he's not too skinny. You know, when you're 6'5", if you're weighing 245, you know, 240, you're more of an edge guy. But I think it, at weighing 270, he could easily put on 5'10 pounds and play inside. So especially with that wingspan. So I, I think he'd be a good pick here. So we'll go with him. And then I think that that leaves the last two picks relatively clarified. Um We've got 202 and 235 left. I think 202 is going to be either a kicker or a tight end. And then I think whichever one they don't take at 202 is going to be what they take at 235. Um, yeah. yeah, I think those are the last two positions where I think, you know, they need somebody. So, And you and I both have discussed Trey McKitty at one point or another. I think he's a guy that hits the Bengals well. They like him. Uh, he likes them. Um in terms of his skill set. So I think we go Trey McKitty here. And then PFF doesn't have the option for us to take kickers. So we can just take some guy at, with the last pick and just say we took a kicker. Yeah. Uh, so we'll take Trey McKitty, a solid player, really athletic, vertical, vertical threat uh, in the passing game. Uh, and, and I kind of like the way he hits the Bengals there in, in the seventh round. Yeah, I think he's a guy who, you know, Probably will play special teams for a little bit, but I think has potential to, you know, have a, have a role as, as a receiver. So it doesn't matter what guy we take here at uh, two thirty-five because I think we both are in agreement that if there's a kicker on the board to be had, that's who the Bengals are going to take at this point. Um, Josh Borigali is out of Miami, or uh, Evan McPherson out of Florida. I think are the two guys that the Bengals will look at heavily. Um, just what do yeah. you think about drafting a kicker or waiting until undrafted free agency to draft a kicker? Well, the kicker from Florida, after seeing that kick that he made against LSU, uh, I I was pretty sold. I think, I think, you know, kicker is a very, very interesting game in the NFL because as we saw, you know, Roberto Aguayo had the greatest or had the highest field goal percentage ever. Um, you know, in NCAA history, and then he comes to the NFL and is a sub-60% field goal kicker. So I think, you know, kicker's a very interesting game because college stats don't always equate to how well they're going to play in the NFL. So our that concludes our actual picks portion of the mock draft. Now let's kind of talk about what, what value we got, what positions we really hit, and, and sort of what we think of the guys we got. Um, I really like this draft from a Bengals standpoint. No, I do. I, I And I think this draft, I mean, there aren't any crazy outlandish picks. I think they're all picks that are solid. Um, I think they're all picks that are pretty safe. I don't think that um, there's not one guy that you think, oh, like we're drafting him high, but he doesn't, I mean, he might not pan out, but if he does, he'll be great. I think a lot of these guys are guys that will at least be, you know, average to above average players, which is, very good for, I mean, very good for the draft. So, yeah. So let's, let's pull up um, Dane Brugler of the athletic um, recently released his NFL draft guide um, talking about which players he likes, which players he doesn't like um, and kind of given a strength weakness breakdown of all the guys in the draft. So let's kind of, let's kind of go through that and talk about what, what it looks like he would give the Bengals um, from a draft standpoint. So let's, let's open up and let's talk a little bit about Elijah Moore, the second round pick, um, the receiver. Um, 4.3540 time. I mean, he flies. There's really no other way to put it. He flies. No, I, I mean, 4.35 with a 36 inch vertical. I mean, and I say this, I mean, it's not going to matter as much because he'll probably play more in the slot, but 17 reps in the bench press, he is not weak. He is not a weak slot. So um, I think he would fit in well. The only problem is, is that, I mean, as we said before, um, he would have to play, sl- basically have to play slot because he's five nine. So, yeah, he's not the biggest. Um, and so taking him to play receiver is kind of hamstringing yourself. Um 
I think he's built in the mold of John Ross. I think he's 10 times the player that John Ross is. Um, doesn't have near the injury history um, that that John Ross had coming out of Washington and obviously had with the Bengals. So, um, yeah, I think he hits the Bengals really well. Last season for Ole Miss, eight games, uh, 86 catches for 1,200 yards. I mean, that's that, that's what you want in, in a receiver. And uh, should not be put lightly, the last couple years, Ole Miss might be turning into a wide receiver you. You're damn right. A.J. Brown, D.K. Metcalf, lots of great players yeah. coming out of Ole Miss in the uh, in, in recent years. Yep. So let's go and let's look at Creed Humphrey, um, the center out of Oklahoma, who we took in the third round. Um, and Dane Brugler, athletic, who I really like uh, the rankings that he gives out. Um, he really likes Creed Humphrey. Uh, he's got him rated as the number one overall center in the draft. Um, big guy, 6'4", 302, can move. Um, just kind of what do you think about about uh, Creed Humphrey and, and what he brings to the Bengals uh, as far as interior O-line play goes? Yeah, so we all know the Bengals need interior O-linemen. Uh, that's no secret. That hasn't been a secret for a very long time. But I think that, you know, looking at his notes here, you know, two-time All-American, um, two-time first-team All-Big 12, two-time Big 12 Offensive Lineman of the Year. Um, but I think the most important thing that, you know, that Zach Taylor and his staff are going to look at is two-time team captain. I think him being a two-time team captain, if Trey, as I said before, if Trey Hopkins isn't ready, um, I think he would be mature enough to step in uh, and potentially start day one over Billy Price at center. So, Well, and, and, and I think the thing that we easily forget about Trey Hopkins is that he was the, he was the Bengals' guard for – a hot second there. So he, he has, he has played guard. Um, now I would kind of defer to Joe Burrow as far as who he wants playing. 100%. 100%. Um, but, you know, Creed Humphrey has all the tools that you want in a starting center. Um, and, and I really like it. He's got a wrestling background. Um, I really like the way he hits the Bengals in the third round if he's still there. I mean, he's not – he's had no durability concerns whatsoever. Um, so you don't really worry about that. Um, I I really like the pick if they can get him in the third round. Yeah, if he falls, I mean, I think, I think they definitely take him. So now let's move on to our um, – our fourth round pick where we took Khalil Herbert, the running back out of Virginia tech. Um, you know, he's, he had a great year last year with, with the Hokies. Um, he's a really solid player. Uh, he's built in the similar mold to Giovanni in that he's not the biggest guy on the team. Um, you know, five, eight, two, ten. But he's got good measurables. He ran the forty at four four nine. Um, you know, I think I think he's a he's a guy that hits the Bengals well. Yeah, I mean, I I think he I think he hits the Bengals well. I think you know I think he has the potential to catch pass out of the backfield. I think he you know he runs well. Um, he's not you know twenty two reps in the bench press. He's not he he's not weak. So he's not one of those like weaker running backs that you know are just, you know, uh, like elusive. I think, I think he could do a little bit of blocking maybe. Um, but I, I think he'd be a solid, a solid pick in the fourth. Yeah. I definitely like the way he hits the Bengals in, in that spot. Um, he's not going to pop you with his athletic numbers, but he makes yards happen. Um, he's had a little bit of fumbling issues, um, which is one thing to be concerned about. But last year, especially, you kind of saw him blossom as, as a player. 150 totes for nearly 1,200 yards for almost eight yards of carry and eight touchdowns. Um, second team all ACC and led the ACC in all-purpose yards last year. Uh, really solid back, I think. And, and I really like the way that he could fit in as a complement to Samaj P. Ryan, where – Samaje Pirine's kind of the hammer that you use on the goal line to maybe take a couple of those power carries away from Mixon. Herbert is the guy that you bring in um, to maybe 
take a couple of those uh, passing downs or whatever away from Mixon if he, if he needs a blow. Yeah, and I also think – I mean, you got to think here a, a, a little bit down the road as well. Um, if they get a running back, whether it's Khalil Herbert or somebody else, and they pop off and they, and they think they're great, they, they might look to move Mixon. I mean, you never know. You know what I mean? Because running back in the NFL is just such a transparent, I mean, position that the, the life, the, you know, the lifespan for NFL running back is not very long. So, I mean, they have to be thinking about that aspect too. Yeah, definitely, definitely. Um, now let's move on. Joshua Kando in the fifth round. That's who we took with our first pick in the fifth round. Um, really lanky, toolsy athlete. Um you know, he is, he's a developmental guy, but he's got all the tools that you need to be a really solid player uh, in the NFL. He just, it's just a matter of keeping him healthy and, and developing his pass rush set. Yeah. So, I, I mean, you're looking at the, you know, the pro day right now, he ran a four, six, five at two sixty. I mean, that's, that's booking it. Um, you know, the vertical at 36 and a half inches. I, I mean, as you said, this, this dude has all the, this dude has all the raw athletic talent that you want. Now it's just, it would be teaching him the intangibles. I think that would, would be the next step. Yeah. I really like the way that he hits the Bengals there as a toolsy guy um, that the Bengals can look at as a, um, as a solid player um, th- that can contribute on third downs early and then maybe grow into an edge rusher role once he sort of develops all of his, all of his pass rush moves um, from that standpoint. Um, so now we move on. Chauncey Golston uh, out of Iowa is the other pass rusher we doubled up with and took. Um, it's got a similar athletic profile to Joshua Kando, uh, 84 inch wingspan, which is just outrageous. Um, that's kind of what you want in an edge, in an edge player, at least from the Bengals standpoint, they love those, uh, long wingspan guys. Think Michael Johnson, Carlos Dunlap, those sort of guys. Um, you know, he is everything the Bengals want in an edge rusher, similar to Joshua Kando, except he, he does not have the injury profile of Joshua Kando. So I think that the Bengals may be more comfortable taking a guy like him earlier, um, and he's got the team captain background going for him as well. Um, you know, in his career at Iowa, just absolutely unreal. 27 tackles for loss over three seasons, um, 12 sacks. Just what do you like about the way he hits the Bengals in the, in the sixth round? I mean, for a sixth round pick, I think this would be a knockout of the park. I mean, you got to think about this. Dude has over a seven-foot wingspan a 36 inch vertical first team, all big 10 team captain. And, and um, I mean, he's almost six, five. I mean, I don't, I don't, I don't see, I, don't, I honestly don't see a problem with this pick. Yeah. I think it's a very realistic pick. Yeah. He's got, whether, a, I mean, whether it's now or a little earlier. I mean, yeah. I he's, he needs some development in his pass rush skill set, but similar to Joshua Kando, both of these guys, we kind of tab as, being toolsy guys that you have the potential to develop. And he played at Iowa, which I was notorious for developing these defensive line prospects. So uh, I really like the way he, he hits the Bengals right there. Um, and then just to wrap it all up, um, talking about Trey McKitty, the tight end we took in the seventh round. Um, just sort of, what do you think about him? Um, he's, he's, got a little bit of health stuff that you kind of worry about a little bit, but not too much. Um, but no doubt a vertical threat that I think the Bengals could develop into a solid tight end two or tight end three. Yeah. So I think, I mean, if you're looking at Trey McKitty, I think you're looking at not, I mean, maybe not a starting caliber tight end, but I think you're looking at a guy who could come in, you know, in spot situations and, you know, catching catch at least a couple passes, I think, you know, yeah. get open. But I, I mean, I don't think you're looking at a, an absolute steal no. um, of a starting tight end. Yeah. It's, it's, he's not going to be a Travis Kelsey or anybody like that. And we're not or saying George Kittle. Yeah. You know, this draft. That's not what he's going to be. He's going to be at most, I think his ceiling is a contributor as a backup tight end. Um, he just doesn't have the production in college to tell me or you 
that he he could contribute highly at the NFL level right away. So uh, there's not a lot to get excited about about that pick, but I think nonetheless he's a solid player that um, hits the Bengals well in that spot. Yeah, no, I I, I think him I think him to the Bengals in the seventh. I think that gives them some maybe some more mobility in the tight end room uh, with at least a vertical threat. Cause I think, I think Drew sample, um, you know, I don't mind Drew sample, but he, let's, I mean, we're not going to lie. He's not the, you know, the best vertical threat down the field. So I think giving him, giving Joe Burrow one more vertical threat uh, is beneficial. So. All right. Well, that, that wraps up the mock draft. You know, we made our picks. Uh, we'll post those on Twitter and, and Instagram after this. Um, we made our picks. Um, we broke down our picks. I like the way we went. We got, I think we got four solid NFL starters um, in this draft. If the Bengals listen to us, which, which we would like them to do. Yeah, we would. But also you also have to take into account um, even though we picked Sewell, you know, in the first, if they did go, you know, a combination the other way of receiver O-line, I think we would, we still wouldn't be upset with them. Yes. I think, but I, but I think just Sewell, I don't know. It just, it, it makes sense. That was, that was the one point I wanted to make um, to everybody out there debating this Penesul Jamar Chase debate. Um, it is fun to have this debate and, we are extremely, um, we are extremely, extremely lucky to be having this debate um, because either way the Bengals go at five, they're going to get a really freaking good NFL player. Um, so the narrative needs to end that the draft is over after one round. The people saying that Joe Burrow's left knee is suddenly going to explode if they don't take Panay Sewell at five um, need to stop. Because as we saw in our mock draft, Alex Leatherwood was still on the board uh, at 38. Wyatt Davis. Wyatt Davis still on the board at 38. And there's no doubt the Bengals need to get the tackle of the future. Nobody's debating that. But there is also a very big need at wide receiver that needs to be acknowledged. So people saying that the draft is over almost after one round if they don't take Panay Sewell, we need to stop. We need to collect ourselves. And we need to realize that the draft – is more than one day and it's more than one round. Well, it's more than one day. It's more than one round. And also you have to think about the last couple of years, um, you know, looking back at drafts and I've said this before, there's more NFL starters now in the second and third rounds. than there have been in like in, in, from the first round. So I, I don't understand, you know, the thought process behind the draft ends after, after the first round. Cause it definitely doesn't. Yeah. It doesn't end after the first round. We proved that today. We got we got some really solid players in our mock draft. Um, and I, I had fun. I love doing mock drafts. Yeah, there's nothing like a there's nothing like a good mock draft. Nothing like a good mock draft on a Thursday morning. Well, before we get up out of here, um, we do have trivia and Reds update. So I have a trivia question. If you don't have one, uh, yeah, go ahead. Okay, so. There are three teams tied for having the most number one overall picks in the NFL draft since 1990. They all three have four. Name them. Okay. Bengals are one. Um, Bengals are one. I'm going to go with the Lions one. Nope. Okay. I think one of them, one of them is going to surprise you and one of them you're going to kick yourself if you don't get one of them. Okay. Uh, Bengals are one of them. Lions are not one of them. Uh, I'm going to, Oh, Browns Browns, which, you know, it's interesting to say that they've had four number one picks and they weren't a franchise for four years. Sorry <laughs> to all of our Browns fans. Uh, there are no Browns fans listening at this point. So, well, yeah, but if you are, we empathize with your pain. You're our uh, second, you're our second favorite team in the division. At least mine. Uh, I might have to go Ravens first or for oh, a second. Oh, come on. Lamar train. It's kind of hard not to root for a running back, a quarterback. But, <laughs> um, that might be a little bit of a shot right there. But uh, third team, um, I'm going to go. Hmm. Is it the Rams? No. I. This is a tough one to get because based on their recent history, you would not have expected it. Hmm. 
but they they had they their their 1990s were equally tumultuous as the Bengals 1990s. I don't even the Patriots. I have no idea. The Colts. Really? Yeah. Oh, I okay. I I, I could actually see that. Jeff George, Marshall yeah. Falk, Peyton Manning, Andrew Luck. God. Okay. Now. Okay. Now that you say that, that I didn't know the Jeff George one. I didn't know Marshall Falk was picked number one overall. Yeah, that's. I mean, that's just crazy to think that the uh, the Colts have turned it around. The Bengals, TBD. Well, I mean, to be fair, I mean it's it's kind of hard not to turn around when you have two Hall of Fame quarterbacks in a row. So, and Marvin and Harrison Phillip. and Philip. So technically three in a row. <laughs> <laughs> that's a debate for another day. Um, so let's get into a Reds updates, shall we? Uh, not a good road trip. Uh, two and four. I mean at least at least come out come out of the west 500 especially the diamondbacks are diamondbacks are not a good ball club the diamondbacks were just swept by the oakland a's uh the san francisco giants i don't care how much you tell me about how good their pitching is they're not good either um not a good road trip for the reds suffice it to say shut out twice um it really looked like they were trying to play long ball too much on this road trip um I uh, not not a just let's just put the cab on it. Not a great road trip. Yeah, I I think also um, a couple things that happened during the road trip. You got to think that some of these games, like Johnny Cueto, came out of the game yesterday in the bottom in the top of the sixth, and he was only at sixty eight pitches. Like I think that the patience isn't there. I think they're swinging at you know first second pitches that are strikes and balls, um, and they're not getting very good contact. So. Yeah, and uh, the other thing that um, I've noticed a lot is that we are not getting any innings out of our starting pitchers. No, I mean, even Tyler Malley had a no-hitter um, going into the fifth and was at like 80 pitches. Tyler Malley has pitched really well so far this yeah, season, yeah. and I am – But he does not go deep in games. My crow is being served extremely cold right now because I am eating the – living hell out of some crow well it's also remember we had the debate about uh disco a couple years ago and then he pitched really well so well i mean it's just surprising i mean he's one and one with a one nine three right now um he's gonna get to face the diamondbacks again on this next homestand so reds come home we're recording on the thursday reds come home six game homestand uh indians and diamondbacks can i say indians uh i think it's the baseball team Okay, Cleveland baseball team and the Arizona Diamondbacks. Um, luckily for the Reds, the way their offense is going right now, they miss Shane Bieber. Um, that would be ugly. So, miss Bieber. Sonny Gray comes back. He's supposed to start Saturday. So, you know, I think they said DeLeon's getting removed from the rotation. Uh, Hoffman's pitching Friday night. I think – okay, I one thing about Hoffman, I think Hoffman's pitched pretty well. Yeah. His start against Arizona was shaky, but uh, I think he pitched well overall. And, you know, you're always going to have the chance to get healthy against the Cleveland baseball team. Uh, Their offense is not very good. So I expect this weekend to be low, low scoring. Take the under in all three games. Um, And then you should go no worse than four and two on this homestand, in my opinion, anything less than two series wins. I agree. I mean, you have to, you have to start winning series if you want. I know, I know it's only April, but the more you win series now, the less you have to worry about it in, you know, late July, August. And the sky's not falling. The reds are still projected to go 94 and 68. um, But really ugly road trip. You know, historically the reds don't play well out West, but that's not an excuse against the two teams that they faced, you have to go at least 500. Um, they should have won the game Tuesday night. Um, you know, you get four runs in the first inning and spot Luis Castillo, a four-run lead. You just cannot come back around and give up four again. Um, just an ugly all-around series against the Giants outside of the first game. Yeah, I know. Well, but I, th- I think these are two good teams to come back, especially Diamondbacks at home. Um, Indians at home, or baseball team at home. My yeah. apologies. Um, yeah, so, I, I yeah. think I think it's a good a homestand. Not much to say about the Reds. Uh, hopefully, get it back going. Uh, Joey Votto is officially back, though. Um, 
he hit a couple of nukes. Well, not nukes, but he hit a couple of bombs in San Francisco. Um, he's still hitting the ball extremely hard. Um, so hopefully as the weather warms up and the ball starts flying out of GABP, he starts picking up some more uh, carry and, and getting a few more bombs. hit. Yeah, I think he will. I think he'll, he'll bounce back. So, well, uh, I think that just about does it for episode four. Uh, it was fun. Mock draft. I enjoyed it. I love mock drafts. Uh, we are officially two weeks away from the NFL draft. Two commencing weeks from the day. Two weeks Cleveland. from the day. And the Bengals, essentially, it's they're either going to have like the number one pick in the draft if the first four picks are quarterbacks, or the number two pick if Atlanta goes Kyle Pitts. Looking forward to it. Looking forward to it. Looking forward to it. Uniforms come out Monday at 9 a.m. I imagine you're going to be beating down the door at the pro shop to get in there and buy a jersey. Yeah, um, I'm going to be – I actually might custom one online for a Panay Sewell. (laughs) Number 58, Panay Sewell. Well, that's all we got for you today, folks. Episode four is in the books. We will see you next week uh, with a, with our thoughts on, on how the uniforms look and our thoughts on one week closer to draft day. You got anything else to say for the people? No, not much. Just two weeks away. Looking forward to it. Who day? Who day?